Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Public Discourse. I'm your host again, Sancho Jacinto, with our co-host with Audrey and Ricardo. And today we have a very, very special guest. It's a good friend of mine, Tian. Uh, he's actually, uh, we met through Circle K organizations. Shout out to that service org. And we've been friends for a while, met in college. A really good guy. We, we brought the inter international to CKI, the I in CKI it was back then. And he's going to be our guest because I think he has some expertise with our current topic. And I would like to introduce Tian and he can talk more about himself. So Tian, you want to go ahead? Thank you, Sancho. Hi, Public Discourse. This is Tian. Uh, I used to do research at UC Berkeley um, regarding to U.S. healthcare and in comparison to Singaporean healthcare. And I did some field trip at uh, Singapore regarding to this topic. And today I'd like to share about some of my learning in the past, uh, in the past time with all of you. All right, thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, I really appreciate your, you know, expertise for this topic and for accepting our invitation. So right now, I want to turn it over to my co-host Audrey, and she will basically run this show. Thanks, Sancho. So uh, today, I wanted to talk about uh, healthcare uh, because I think it's a very important topic to discuss now, especially because of COVID. We're right in the middle of a uh, pretty bad pandemic, and uh, I have to say that I think there is kind of an embarrassingly large number of Americans who don't have any medical insurance at all, and that's a big problem at the moment. Uh, so that's why I wanted to discuss this today. Um, and also we are, it's worth mentioning that we are in the middle of a presidential election, which will happen in November. Uh, and healthcare has been a topic that has been discussed uh, during pres presidential debates and uh, just all around in the different candidates' policy. Uh, especially uh, Democrats have been pushing for Medicare for all. And, um, you know, most of their plans call for a universal healthcare system. Uh, and I think it's kind of mostly based on uh, Canada's healthcare system. Uh, but they're are many other national healthcare systems that are worth mentioning and you know that I will pro that I will mention France because that's just what I know and I have been able to uh, experience the healthcare system in France which I think is great <laughs> um, so we can talk about that um, today and compare some different uh, healthcare systems in different countries um, thanks to our wonderful guest Tiang. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to mention, uh, first of all, that um, I, I'm going to talk about Europe first. Um, you know that nearly all European countries have a universal healthcare system. Uh, <clears throat> and I know that no system is perfect, but um, Europe's universal healthcare uh, does mean that everyone is taken care of, including foreigners sometimes. Um, so that is a big contrast with the fact that a lot of Americans don't have healthcare access to healthcare at all. Um, so I wanted to maybe ask uh, Tiang, uh, first of all, why did you, could you maybe tell us a little bit about why you were interested in exploring the topic of healthcare and comparing um, the healthcare in Singapore with uh, the healthcare in the U.S.? Yes. I started my interest with uh, with my uh, with healthcare uh, starting in 2020. Oh, sorry, 2012. 
uh, when my ha my par my par my parents and my family were having uh, difficulties to pay for the healthcare insurance premium, and suffering from personal um, connection with the healthcare issue within my family, with my parents, and my family, I noticed that the healthcare system need to be updated dramatically so that we can have a true universal or at least affordable healthcare for people. And then I joined Obama's campaign team in Los Angeles so that I can advocate for the Obama's, President Obama's policy for universal healthcare. And that's why, um, unfortunately, we were able to help Mr. Obama win the election. And later, as we all know, the Affordable Care Act was passed. That was a um, fundamental establishment towards the universal health care because with the ACA, Affordable Care Act, it removes the prerequisites of pre-existing conditions, which means a lot of ex uh, people who are suffering from existing sickness or illness will be still covered under this act. And insurance companies has no excuse to, to deny coverage or exclude them from coverage. And this is very touching and personal for me. And I still stand for Afford Affordable Care Act or universal health care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. And um, I know that, for example, my experience is that um, in France, the healthcare system is called uh, social security. And I know I'm not going to brag, but um, it has been globally recognized for overall quality. And uh, I don't know much about uh, the, the system in Singapore, uh, but I do know that in uh, uh, 2000, um, I think it was a report in done in 2000, uh, the World Health Organization uh, ranked uh, France as the best national healthcare system in the world. Um, I mean, that was a while ago, but I think it's still probably the case or it's top of the list. Um, so maybe um, could you talk a bit more, since I don't really know, about how the healthcare system works in Singapore as opposed to the U.S.? Yes. So for Singapore, you can imagine they are having a health saving account just like your 401k for the health. Uh, just like our health saving account. However, it is mandatory in the way that um, as social security. The employer will make a deduction from your payroll to save to the health saving account, which is called MediSave. And for any routine checkup or prescription drug cost, you are able to use this money from the MediSave to pay for the, to pay for the service. And most importantly, um, the government is only paying for one third of the overall healthcare costs, and the other uh, two thirds of the costs are paid by the employer and individual. Mm -hmm. And the best thing about Singaporeans' healthcare system is that they are pushing for the individual to take their own responsibility for their own health by using their own money. Through establishing this health awareness, the Singaporean government is able to have their citizen taking care of themselves and earning money to pay for the rainy day. And most importantly, uh, you may now know about uh, the most interesting about Singaporean system is that Singaporean system is able to find a perfect balance between the government intervention and uh, market competition in the way that the government is able to control the healthcare costs in a reasonable amount of in the reasonable amount through negotiation. 
but still leave enough space for the free market computation and in and ensure the profits of the healthcare uh, healthcare facilities, insurance companies, and the pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, I, I just want to ask a question about mm-hmm. uh, pre-existing conditions. Yes. Is that something, like, how does that work? So, for example, um, I'm still, uh, for example, if you have pre-existing, pre-existing conditions such as chronically ill disease or asthma, as part of uh, your health condition. Originally, without ACA, the insurance company are allowed to deny deny your coverage or exclude you from the coverage because they think that they are losing money from your insurance uh, purchase or they are losing money from your coverage so that they do not provide coverage to you. And after ACA, this is no longer a case. No matter what health condition you have, the insurance company have to cover you as part of their uh, as part of part of their their uh, candidate pool, so that uh, you are covered from the insurance company. You are covered from the insurance coverage as mm-hmm. a last result from uh, paying everything out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to kind of like maybe open the discussion to um, Trent Ricardo. Um, what what are your impressions of the healthcare system here? Because um, I know that you've experienced that, you know, your whole life. And um, uh, what do you think about this whole deal with pre-existing conditions as well? And uh, do you have any, uh, like, things to share about that? Um, so from my perspective, uh, I'm actually not too knowledgeable about this whole situation. I was... I was very fortunate in that my mother was contracted um, through uh, the National Gallery of Art, and as a result, she had she had access to the uh, she had access to top quality healthcare uh, for us. She paid a lot in insurance, um, or at least that's what she told me all the time. But um, we could we we didn't have really any issues, copays, things like that. They they really weren't an issue. Um, so I don't really have too much experience in that regard. I do think the interesting thing was, um, and this is something I do want to discuss as we move forward in this conversation, but it was the concept of uh, uh, pre-existing conditions. I, Because I didn't have um, any knowledge of what was going on, I had no idea that insurance companies had that ability to deny you coverage. So when they first mentioned that, I, I, sat, I thought first I thought I was insane that anyone would reject the concept of Obamacare or the uh, Affordable Care Act, whatever you want to call it, because mm-hmm. to me, I'm going at some point, it's uh, is it it's it's like you, you understand that people are unable to afford medical coverage or any sort of like uh, like any medical benefits on their own. Most people cannot afford to pay it on their own. So to be denied over something that you have no control over was actually kind of insane to me. But um that's pretty much it on my part but i do i am curious about something tian and maybe Mm -hmm. you did cover this slightly but is there a system i mean maybe it's in france audrey so maybe you could speak on it a bit more but is there a system in which how do i word this i guess everyone wins and if there isn't who who do you think would have to take like the biggest loss in terms of having the best health care we can have for everyone right does that question make any sense or I kind of need to elaborate on what I'm asking. 
Oh, probably can you elaborate a, a little bit more? I'm still not Yeah, so like the pre-existing health condition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this 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 just came to my mind, but that's why insurance companies would reject you because the the idea that they're losing way too much in mm-hmm. terms of uh, covering covering uh, covering you, right? They lose way too much in covering you, but um, I, um, is there is there a way that is there a system that we can implement where maybe the individual payer maybe pays more upfront in order to have access to um, the best quality insurance? Or is there a system where um, the government would need to take over all sort of um, health insurance in, in some regard to ensure that everyone has access to the highest quality treatment? So that's, that's, that's pretty much what I'm trying to get at. What I guess overall the question would be, in your opinion, what would be the best healthcare system we could provide to the to a massive population like the U.S. Because um, I know every country is going to be different. And what would that look like? Yeah. But we can discuss that a bit later. Sancho, um, I know you didn't, you weren't able to answer something. Oh, are we, okay. So I'll answer and then I think the end can answer. So just, uh, <laughs> we'll just bookmark that. Well, I mean, for us always, going back to Audrey's question about the uh, you know, my impression with the, the healthcare system here in the U.S. I mean, of course, what I'm always going to bring in the table is my 17 years of experience in the Philippines and my 11 years of experience here in the U.S. So I always, I mean, as a kid, I always saw healthcare. Like in the Philippines, insurance is not really a thing. Like we always just go to the clinic, to the doctor, we always pay out of pocket. And it's it's fairly affordable <laughs> relatively to what we have here. But you know, but the big, the question is like the big surgeries and stuff. Like the issue is not even the price for those big surgeries. It's like the capability. Like a lot of like rich celebrities or rich people, they actually travel to the U.S. and do all those, uh, they do their big surgeries because the Philippine healthcare system is just not, we don't have the technology to able to do that. So, you know, so a lot of, actually a lot of people, they just tend to not just go to the hospital and, and it's very different. Like we just go to the hospital when they're about to die, basically when it's like very Ill, Ill serious, you know, but it was, yeah, it's very different. Uh, yeah, but coming here in the US, it just made me realize how expensive, I think that's really like my main thing is the price. Uh, it just flabbergasted me on how expensive like healthcare is like, you know, I mean, I would have the same uh, medication in the Philippines and I'll say, you know, and it's like seven pesos per tablet. And here it's like, like 10 bucks, which is like a thousand pesos. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's expo- exponentially it's more expensive for the same medication. And I think it's, it's really that system of, you know, it's that system of insurance where like everybody, you, you need to have insurance because if you don't, they're going to price you the out of market price, but that price is basically artificial that the insurance company don't even pay for. I mean, as an accountant, I've dealt with a lot of invoices. I would look at my invoices and I would see the discount. They have like, you know, like they're they're charging you 5,000, but the insurance company is only paying 200 because like the 4,800 is like written off as an insurance discount. So in a way, it's like, it's basically a scam. If you think about it, it's kind of crazy. And at the same time, I would actually share, I was actually denied because of pre-existing conditions, you know, back in, I just like, I just missed it because it was in 2010 when they denied me. And that was just like a few months before Obamacare was passed. So they, I was like, like, yeah, Obamacare helped me. But it was like like a month too late or something. Yeah, it was like implemented. Wow. Like, 
Yeah, so I was actually denied by pre-existing condition, and that really like that's one of the things that really doesn't make sense to me. I was like, every, like everybody has a pre-existing condition, you know? What I mean, like if you're denied pre-existing condition, what are you even covering, you know? Right. Yeah, but I mean, you and you know, you know, you and Audrey and Tian are probably more like the experts and on this. But yeah, basically, I I don't I'm not an expert in healthcare, but have I base it on my personal experiences? And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, I think it sucks, and I think the biggest issue really is the price because. You know, it doesn't make sense when I was hospitalized, like a hotel room is like $10,000, like, you know, mm-hmm. for like, like it was, no, it's not even $10,000 per day, but it's like, you know, it's I think 10 days for like, or I don't know, like five days for like $10,000. You know what I mean? It's like, I look at the bill, like the medicine's not that expensive, but it's like the, you know, the staying in the hospital is like, it's much, it's, it's much more expensive than like a five-star hotel. Yeah. But it's like, it's like $3,000 per day. Like mm-hmm. really, like I'm just using a bed. Like you know, you're you're not even giving me nice soap. You know? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. to jump in there, um, to a couple of things. So, um, I I personally know two people who were, I saw their I saw their medical bills and okay, so there was one one guy uh, back in college. I, I interned for a trucking company and the uh, gentleman I worked for, he had a heart condition. So he needed the pills. Um, he needed. He just needed a lot of things, and I was helping him pay his bills. That was part of my uh, work responsibilities. And I saw, uh, you know, he had insurance. Thank goodness. Uh, but even with his insurance, he still had to pay um, close to twenty grand to kind of cover everything related to his condition. But if he didn't have insurance, he was looking at about a hundred, close to a hundred fifty thousand dollar debt. That he would have to pay out of pocket if he didn't have insurance. And then I also know someone else who they got into an altercation and uh, it ended with him uh, going to the hospital. And it turned out that this individual actually didn't have medical insurance when they went to the hospital. And when he notified me what he had to pay, that was one hundred twenty thousand that he had to figure out out of pocket. Yeah. And so. um I mean, you know, there's some personal agency issues there where why don't you have insurance? But um, regardless, the the like like you said, the the these medical costs are absolutely insane. I was actually looking this up and I'm sure um, Tian, you probably know a bit more about this. But back in 2019, some study came out um, reported by CNBC that close to 70 percent of people, 66.5, their bankruptcies were tied to medical issues and medical costs. Like that is the biggest factor for why people are uh, filing for bankruptcy in the in the states. And that's just insane to me. It's uh, it's it's clearly something that's an issue. Um, I do wonder how they. I do wonder what because I mean from from the consumer standpoint, right? This does sound like it's an insane price, but I guess on their side, how much do they pay to provide this sort of benefits to people, right? I I, I am curious about that. If anyone has any kind of info on that or or any thoughts there? I think this is very common, especially for the elderly people in the elderly retired people in the mid region where um, medical facility are limited. They Mm -hmm. may have to travel far to have uh, their kidney to be taken care of. And they cause this this becomes a phenomenon that um, you may see um, there are a lot of elderly people living in Georgia migrating to Atlanta because in Atlanta they are able to access to the healthcare service that they need. And those services are not offered elsewhere in the state of Georgia, 
Whereas California, there is service everywhere. We have Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, all the super mega city. But in Atlanta, there in Georgia, there's only Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And this is happening as a common uh, common sense in the mid region in America, because the elderly people are paying for Medicare premiums, and they are still paying for um, each service for each prescription prescription drug they are receiving out of pocket. Or with even with the um, coverage under the coverage, the service becomes too expensive for to for them to afford since they are already retired. They only have such limited um, amount of income, so that even with the help from the government from the Medicare, this is not a sustainable sustain sustainable way for them to keep them alive from being from sickness and. Unfortunately, there's nothing much we can do at this time because our Medicare is not able to bargain or negotiate a service price with the pharmaceutical company. And uh, our annually fiscal budget are stressed by the Medicare cost due to the non-cap spending from the from the service that each elderly people or not even elderly, from everyone who is using Medicare to get essential service mm-hmm. and i mean uh it could be a problem or it could be uh, this issue can be maybe can can be resolved if we grant more power for the medicare system to the government to allow them to negotiate for margin or negotiate price with the pharmaceutical company uh, unfortunately this is something that we are not allowed to do at this point due to the legalization issue so um, until we have um, we have someone who is who is able to push for the true universal health care, we may not see any improvements on this subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I kind of want to go back to Ricardo's uh, question of is there an ideal, you know, healthcare system? Um, and if so, what is it? Um, and one of the things I, I think is really important to note is that at least my opinion is the healthcare system in this country in the US is really run as a business it's a money making mm-hmm. you know uh kind it's a money making machine it's not really for uh providing healthcare to everyone and making it accessible to everyone it's really about making money so i don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that or um i know I, my opinion is that that's kind of the priority is making money, whereas in other countries, it's really about providing health care to everyone, whether they're foreigners or not, providing health care to people in the country. I think uh, US, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say just that I'm not shocked. I think in this in the States, pretty much any decisions made by its ability to fill your pockets, um, not any. But a lot of decisions are made with that kind of goal in mind. So not really too surprised when you say that. Um, I do think it's tragic because a lot of people do go uninsured or not uninsured, but a lot of people do go without necessary treatment. But um, I do think that's one of the sad things is this is not surprising. Uh, Somebody who's lived here for as long or all my life. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we have uh, the end answered the question, the ideal system, regardless of original question. Yes, uh, I think the ideal system would be, uh, well, please allow me to share with you that 
in the US, our insurance company and the healthcare system operate in the area that they can make a profit. And then the public sector will place the role in the area that the private doesn't want to play. And that's why we have coverage for Medicaid. Um, and to answer the question, um, I think an ideal system would be there is enough government intervention and still for enough space for the market competition so that it just has to be a it just have it just have to be a perfect balance between intervention government intervention and the competition so that people are not being ripped by the private sector and still uh, the government can help can be there to stand for the gar uh, stand for the people and safeguard the cost to ensure that the system is sustainable and the cost affordable for everyone. Mm-hmm. So let's say uh, there's like no politics. You know, I think this is like the biggest obstacle. So let's say this is it. We're just running this like, you know, corporation or just a company. We're just getting this done. So Tiana, what do you think? How do you think we did propose to basically change, you know, the current system we have to what is the, to that ideal system that you just mentioned? Uh, I think um, the first, um, it will be doable if we are able to empower Medicare to start to negotiate for better price so that we can see a huge budget cut from Medicare, uh, I mean a huge spending less from the Medicare, and this will be transferred to us through less tax dollars or even more uh, more money for the um, medical facility to be established so that we have we can have easier access to the medical care that we need. And that's the first step. We need to have the Medicare spend less money through negotiation with the pharm- pharmaceutical company so that we, uh, so that it's cheaper for us to get a prescription drug and get the service that we need. And until then, I think uh, everything will be step forward if we are able to spend less on the operation side and spend less on the service side. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually wanted to ask you, Tiang, um, I know you wrote a paper on uh, comparing uh, the Singapore healthcare system and the US healthcare system. Is there anything uh, that you discovered through your research that was really surprising to you or anything that stood out? Uh, I think. Something very interesting about Singaporean is, uh, as I previously mentioned, uh, Singaporean, even though the Singaporean government is very aggressively managing the healthcare system, they manage the supply of the health service, the price of the treatment, but they are still able to leave enough space for the market economy to allow competition. And very surprisingly, they are able to identify a perfect balance between the intervention and the market competition. And the insurance company are okay with that. Whereas in US, um, the insurance, the insurance industri- industry is too old fashioned to make a change. And it could be difficult for the government to push them to make an adaptation of such as technology. Um, so that uh, that's why Medicare or Medicare expansion or affordable healthcare is so hard to be moved forward from um, the day that it is approved. 
and that's why we are uh, we are still seeing uh, ACA being attacked by people that uh, people are complaining they are losing their freedom of choosing the healthcare that they wish to, or they are choosing to whip out from the health the mandatory healthcare. So there's the ideology difference between uh, whether you are allowing government intervention or you are just letting the market run itself. Mm-hmm. It's a socialism uh, or socialism preference system or completely market-oriented economy system that you have to make a decision which side you want to stand by. Right, right. And I think it's interesting to see um, here in the U.S. that so many people are afraid of that, you know, of mm-hmm. kind of uh, this socialist approach to healthcare. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's just, it's interesting because I think, I, I heard this argument, I heard that some people are afraid they're they're like oh no well you know we will have to wait for months before getting an appointment with the doctor since everyone will be you know going to the same doctors and i've heard this kind of argument which i think is very strange because having actually been in a kind of you know that kind of healthcare system i've never waited for a doctor's appointment that long and i feel that um that's not a really valid argument. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, uh, Audrey, I want to follow up on that. Can you tell us more about the France? You know, I know uh, Tian's talking a lot about the Singapore hybrid approach. And can you tell us more about the France system? And you said you guys are number one. Like, how how does it work? Is it is there, are there still insurance companies? Are they all like government now? Like, can you elaborate more on that? Um, it's all government. So uh, everything is is centralized. You do have some insurance companies if you want additional coverage. But uh, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. That's just kind of extra uh, because the French government generally refunds uh, patients about 70% of healthcare costs. Uh, and uh, they actually reimburse 100% of um, costly, very costly and long-term uh, illnesses. Um, for example, I have a friend, her, her mom got cancer, uh, unfortunately, and but everything was covered for her. Um, so I, I really think that that's that's why I think that it's one of the best healthcare systems in the world because you're not having people that are getting com- completely drowned in debt because a family member um, has an illness, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's not something that people can control, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah, so, think that, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, regardless of price, I just want to know, like, I mean, you probably went to the doctor in France and you went to the doctor here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So regardless of the price, how is the, you know, the service different? Are like, are they more like, are the technology more up to date here, or is it in France, or you know, just the service in general, like, without um, price consideration? Yeah, well, yeah. it functions very differently, um, because first of all, it's it's a lot cheaper in France because, as I mentioned before, it's not a, it's not this capitalist like you know money making thing. It's just, this is what the pharmaceutical uh, company, you know, gives you. This is the price, the flat rate that the government is going to reimburse part of it, right? Whereas here, pharmaceutical, uh, the pharmaceutical companies or um, any other, you know, uh, hospital or or something like that, some kind of facility like that, will bump up their prices, you know, will bump up whatever it costs because they know that the insurance company will pay it. That's kind of how I see it. Um, and I mean, another thing is that in France, you're guaranteed 
uh, care, regardless of your ability to pay or any pre-existing condition. They just give you care, um, which I which is not the case here. Those are the big differences that I saw since I since but I is it, is, here. Is it, is it the same quality? Is it the same uh, like care, or is it better there here? Like regardless. It's, uh, of- yeah, it's as good. They're both as They're good. Same. I would say you know same kind of care. Um, just different ways of getting it, basically. And, and it's basically like a lot cheaper there, because I'm just thinking about it. Like when you're buying, let's say, a Camry for like thirty thousand dollars, and you're buying like a Lamborghini for three hundred thousand dollars, it's like, I feel like the healthcare here is like the Lamborghini, because it's so expensive, right? It's a lot. Yeah, more, it's yeah. Like it's a lot higher, so you would think. That's why I was asking you that, because you would think that you know, like the, the you know, the care here is a lot better than in France or something, you know. No, the, the care, I, I did notice a big difference in the, the care that is given. Um, but I just actually want to share a kind of an anecdote. Uh, I was in Spain. I was backpacking in Spain a few years ago. And I got this horrible, like, uh, pain in my foot. And I was limping and I just couldn't walk anymore. And I didn't know what to do. So I just went to a hospital, to the nearest hospital, and was like, look, I need someone to look at this because I'm in pain, right? And I didn't know how that was going to work. But it so happens that Spain offers uh, free universal health care to anyone, whether they're residents or, you know, legally or illegally uh, or tourists or any other kinds of visitors. They just, I just walked in there. They looked at, at my foot. They said it was all right. There was nothing really wrong with it. But, you know, they did, um, how do you call that? Um x-rays they did x-rays which are pretty expensive you know um and i was like okay how much do i owe you nothing just walked out of there you know um which was insane to me well, but uh, walked out with your injured foot yeah i walked out with my injured foot I'm still injured but they said it wasn't like serious and anything but they did several x-rays you know um which you charge people for that so i just thought that that was interesting um because europe has that but is it yeah. uh, the price for that, though? I mean, I think that's because somebody has to pay for it, right? Isn't like there's, is there like an additional tax where people like pay more in taxes? I mean, you work there and you work here, right? Are, yeah. are you paying a lot more in taxes here with the less, I mean, there in France with the less take home because so, of they're paying for the health care? Is that like a situation there? So that's something that I really don't know much about because I didn't pay taxes in France. Wait, <laughs> I was I was a student, so oh, okay. I I had like a special uh, kind of healthcare system that was for students, and you didn't really have to pay for it until you like got a job and everything. Um, but yes, obviously, you know, it comes with a raise in taxes because that's just how it works. That's how the system works. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But do you know anyone? Maybe Tian if could answer if you see in this research because I was just thinking about it because like. I mean, our paycheck right now is being deducted by the premium from the insurance companies, right? Mm-hmm. So if we switch to that single-payer healthcare, like in France, are we going to be, you know, like, oh, we don't care about the taxes and all the, you know, like the deduction in our salary. We just care about the take-home, mm-hmm. you know? So is it going to be like the same take-home or more take-home or less take-home, right? Um, honestly, I cannot comment on that because... In U.S., uh, yeah. your experience is actually a typical phenomenon we're seeing right now. The middle class, like we we all, we are we are in the middle. We don't have too much money to pay for a huge surgery, but we are not considered as poor or be, below the poverty line. 
which mm -hmm. means we are in the middle of nowhere that we have to pay everything out of pocket based on our income level. And that's the most unfortunate byproduct of this income tier because we are not eligible for Medicaid and we cannot afford any super fancy medical plan that pays for uh, a more portion of the medical expense. And very sad for us, uh, middle class, we are suffering from everything. And to answer your previous question, um, if uh, if uh, the person who is eligible for Medicaid, they uh, they are receiving the, in my opinion, they are receiving the true uh, universal health care without copay, without uh, much waiting for the time, without paying for uh, emergency room, even for X-ray, uh, as we just mentioned. They are receiving all the essential and basic coverage for a health insurance that should provide to a or normal people without a cost or with a lower cost. Uh, like in California, we have Medi-Cal, which is a version of Medicaid in the state of California. And Medi-Cal is very generous about uh, the eligibility. Even with people who have no uh, normal eligibility, you can still enroll to Medi-Cal, but with a one-time payment each time you use Medi-Cal. So uh, in some way, Medi-Cal is providing essential insurance or coverage for people who are foreigner but in the other way they are still charging people who doesn't who doesn't have the traditional eligibility to use medical but with a price that um, they can still afford but they have coverage as well mm -hmm. and so i actually have a question for you guys um something i find interesting is this pushback uh against universal health care that I've been seeing in the U.S. You know, people who say, no, this is not going to work. Uh, we don't want this. Uh, why do you think that is? What is your perception of that? And um, I, I think that that's one of the big challenges, actually, uh, into implementing this universal health care system. So why do you think that's a problem? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I can give a little opinion first. And it's just my observation based on, you know, my my watching of politics and just learning from the 11 years living in this country so it seems like it seems like socialist is a bad word here because and i think a lot of it is because of the of the you know the cold war you know ussr because you know for so long this country fought a cold war against you know a social you know ussr has a socialist in it and what i'm pretty sure one of their s is a soviet one is a socialist you know so they i think that was part of it and i think a, a second part is in this country's history it's like they did they, they have a general distrust of the government you know like that's why the mm -hmm. second amendment was there i mean it's from 1776 they have a general distrust of like the british and that's why they you know they seceded this country seceded and now you know so i think it's really like i mean it's really the right to giving that the republican conservatives and it's really in their value that it's and even the batarians it's just it's just the value of like we don't trust the government and in that same topic i want to i kind of want to play a little devil advocate on this about the universal healthcare and stuff i mean i'm not sure if it's happening in france or in singapore but probably not i'm not sure you know i'm i'm not a corruption watchdog but i know in the philippines right now one of like the hot topics is uh we have something called phil health you know, I'm not really sure how it works, but from my understanding, it's like a kind of like a universal healthcare of the Philippines where like people pay premium to it and then they get coverage, you know, and it's government sponsored. And I think they just found I think it was like 6.5 billion pesos was apparently stolen from that funds. And now it's like bankrupt and the, the politicians just, pick, you know, pocketed the money. 
So it's like mm-hmm. a big, and, but it's not just Phil Health. Like it was, you know, it's 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 happening all the time in the Philippine government. But you know, I mean, that I think that's like one of the concerns that people has. If we like in France, it seems like it's working there. You guys are number one. But if those politicians who are in charge in healthcare in France, they decided, oh, we're just gonna, you know, you 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 all keep paying your extra taxes, your premiums, and we'll just put it in our pockets, and we're mm-hmm. not gonna pay it. So I think that's what's happening in the Philippines right now. Hmm. You know, like there's a lot of claims they can't pay because they're like, oh, we're out of money. Like, yeah, where did the money go? We're paying premium on this. Oh, well, we, we stole it. So, so uh, you're saying the the corruption is in the form of government? Yeah, like, yeah. Because sense. I think that's the thing. Like, it's just people just distrust the government because it was kind of weird because you're paying insurance. You know what I mean? Like, do you trust the insurance company or the government? Because you're paying premium with the insurance company too. So right. it's really like that tricky part. And I think it's. You know, which if you really think about it, it doesn't really make sense because at the end of the day, the system is you're paying money to someone, you know, and is that yeah. someone going to pocket your money or is that someone actually going to, you know, like do the, do the right way? I don't know the accounting with, uh, you know, I'd ever work in accounting for insurance companies, but I would imagine they would put it in a fund that they will use that fund in, you know, if claims are needed. You know, I think how it works is to invest that money and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. so that's what I think with it. Uh, I think that's the reason for that backlash. But yeah, I mean, I think the the cons has been really uh, outweighing it. A lot of people are getting bankrupt. A lot of people are dying. But I think it's just like in the soul of this country, especially the you know the right you know where the right they just you know they don't like. I mean, it's part of their tenets. It's against government intervention. Right. So, yeah. Right. So I, I think what Tian was saying about Singapore is even more realistic. But that's the thing, though. I think the question is like. For me, I just personally, and I think I discussed this with Tian when I saw him in San Francisco, the issue is not really whether the government or private or whoever is paying it. I think the issue in this country is the price. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter who's paying it. We're just paying too much, you know. And is it the uh, pharmaceutical companies just becoming very rich? Like I have actually, you know, like Ricardo, we know this friend, our former co-worker, she does a lot of stocks. And she told me like, yeah, stocks to go is pharmaceuticals. Right. They're always profitable. Yeah. 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 Maybe Ricardo, you see what what he thinks about it. Um. I mean, I I definitely think you you did touch upon. I mean, you pretty much said everything I probably would have said. Um, in this kind of case or in this in 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 the question. Um. I am curious though about that fraud question. Now that that's actually what I was thinking. I was kind of waiting to see what Audrey Ortiz would say in regards to that. Um to see if there are instances of fraud from the government. I mean, it would be from the government level, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in that situation. Because I'm sure there's fraud on the consumer level or any if whatever private in, uh, industries are um, providing health care. I'm sure there's some fraud there. I guess the question is, what does that fraud look like and how bad is it? Um, yeah. You guys can speak on that. I'm I'm very, very curious about that. Yeah, I actually sorry, quick one. I actually did a quick research. I want to correct myself. It's 14.9 billion pesos, but in dollars it's 306 million dollars. So that I was saying that was the, the one that was disappeared from the the, the the scandal in the Philippines. That's like mm-hmm. how much is like missing. The missing funds. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. Um I, I think it probably varies from country to country, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I I'm not aware of anything like that happening in France. It, it might be happening, but I I haven't heard anything. I don't know if Tiang has anything uh, to share about that. Usually we call it um, 
uh, benefits abuse or would it it is actually a form of fraud but it's more uh, focused on the consumer side because in yeah. us um, even medicare uh, there is a new audit so it could be difficult for the government to do anything fraud without attention uh, without uh, alerting the auditors so but on the consumer side um, medical benefits abuse could be very uh, obvious especially in the state of california which is famous for its benefits of medicare and um recently we heard about news that people are flying to california to register for the unemployment benefits because in california it's more generous and with the amount of application california california is processing they have less manpower to identify benefits fraud and now you've been mentioned to the medical fraud that uh, sometimes we hear about the news. The doctors are charging the patient uh, unnecessary amount, unnecessary amount of service, so that they can just rid of rid off of them and take advantage of the Medicare and Medicare service uh, coverage that provide being provided to the patient. And besides that, I think that's the only or that's one of the major medical abuse or medical fraud that may impact the, the system but it's not a major it should not be a major issue that medicare or medicare is suffering right now uh, what i think what i believe uh, it is suffering by uh, medicare is suffering right now is the overspending pushed by the pharmaceutical company pushed by the lobbyist there's no cap that how, ma how much medicare can yeah. spend each time each year even with the budget limit, uh, our Congress, our the lobbyists are constantly pushing for the the budget limit so that there's no cap and there's no way that we can limit how much we spend on each pill, each service, each treatment that we should put on each one of them, and there's no regulation on that. Um, sort of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really crazy how it doesn't really make sense how, you know, there's no cap. It's like, it's, I think I really agree with you, Tian. It's, I think it's really about regulation. Like, I mean, me and Ricardo are accountants and, you know, in accounting class, we talk about Enron, that's a Barnes-Oxley Act and, you know, how there's a lot of regulations and like, <clears throat> like corporations because of all the fraud that was happening in the past and all these pharmaceutical companies just get away with all of this, you know, it's like, it's just really yeah. crazy. And like Audrey said, I think that's the bottom line. And I was wondering, I don't know if you guys have any insights on this, but how did this happen? Like, how did the U.S., you know, like in France are so different? Like how it seems like France, they care, like healthcare is healthcare. Here it's like, you're not a, you're not a patient, you're a customer, you're a client. Mm -hmm. You know, like how did, how did, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that the answers. So I don't know if you have any insights on that. I mean, I don't really know what the answer to that would be. I mean, I just know that France tends to be seen as a more socialist country mm -hmm. and the U.S. is, you know, seen as the capitalist country of the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, the aim is to make as much money as you can. And that's why I think the problem is that, you know, you can't cap the price at, you know, you can't, there's no limit for a price. Um, you can't put a limit to what a pharmaceutical company can make because that's going against everything that, you know, America stands for, which yeah. makes as much money as possible. I can only imagine how much it contributes to the GDP, mm -hmm. you know, all the spending in healthcare, which is, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's, I think, I mean, it speaks to it. This country has the most millionaires and billion, billionaires in the world. And I think a lot of it really is because they take, you know, a lot of their profits, they take home and pay less in taxes. 
Right. So I think that's that's something to to think about. But yeah, I mean, it really sucks. But I don't know. Like maybe if anybody, like we can have like since we're I think we're pretty much wrapping up. We're almost done with our podcast today, and it's been a very very productive, incredibly productive discussion. Especially thanks to Tian bringing all his research and insights. But what can we do? You know, what for our listeners? What can we do for to improve the system? You know, to improve this what's happening right now as regular citizens? Do you have any recommendations or suggestions? I think we can use our vote to demonstrate to the politician that uh, we are standing for our interest. Don't just listen to the lobbyists, or don't get don't just uh, don't just take money and influence by the lobbyists, such as the pharmaceutical company. So think about us when you make a decision in Washington and yeah. make sure that your policy actually makes sense. Right now, with the existing policy, if you are wishing to have a major surgery, by the way, this is Medicare or Medicare 101 for you guys. If you have a major surgery that costs a lot of money, you should have that approval sent by a doctor to the insurance company in the first six months of the year so that the insurance companies do have enough amount of budget uh, allowed you uh, uh, will be approved you for the surgery otherwise they when they are reaching to a limit of their budget they will no longer approve your request unless it's urgent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that uh, that's what are facing what we are facing right now in the um, under the existing policy because mm-hmm. with the existing with the given amount of money, there are only so much we can do. And under existing policy, there's no much we can do to protect the consumer from being ripped off. Mm-hmm. You either have to be rich or you have to be poor so that you can be eligible for the benefits. And that's what I said. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. I mean, I just want to like point out, I mean, our topic is healthcare today, but I think we should also thank all like our doctor and all of our, you know, nurses or frontliners especially during this pandemic because i mean we keep talking about price because you know we're you know we don't want to spend money we all want us we all want to be bankrupt and i think it's a problem to just like it's telling i was in the hospital for a day it's like five thousand three thousand dollars per day i don't remember but my bill was like i was in the hospital for like what 10 days and my bill is like twenty thousand dollars so like how's wow. that and it's not even like the the medication medications i mean medication is expensive it's like hundreds and hundreds but out of that twenty thousand, like I think fifteen thousand is because of my very luxurious five star hotel like hospital bed apparently. <laughs> you know, it is like, it's like yeah. this is this, this is more expensive than like the most expensive hotel in the world. You know, it's like you know what I mean it's like it's not even the care, it's like for a bed to sleep in. It's like this is the most expensive rent ever. But <laughs> yeah, I mean I think one thing we have I mean that's another thing I just thought about. I think especially in this country and because that's going back to my roots in the Philippines. Like, there's always problems where, like, there's people who are willing to pay, but it's just, like, the healthcare system is just not capable of doing it. They just, it's, you know, like, if you have this issue, it's just not capable. So that's why they tend to travel here. And they don't have insurance, so they're paying so much out of pocket. You know, they're paying that trap price. But I think that's one of the things that makes me feel fortunate. You know, I don't know if you... I think I know Ricardo knows this as well. Like I got a cataract for such a very young age. Like a cataract just showed up my eye, and I did like a laser surgery. One of the best doctors in the U.S. is actually the one who did it, and they're all like telling me like, "Oh, you know, like you are, you are, uh, you're our youngest patient and everything." I mean, I paid like five thousand dollars for it out of pocket, you know. But it is a very expensive, you know. I think the whole surgery is actually like twenty thousand or something, and I paid five thousand. 
something yeah. like that. Yeah, but I, but like, uh, basically my point is like things like this. Like we feel like I just feel very fortunate still that yeah, it's very expensive. It's this is it could have been better. You know, like we're trying. I feel like we should aim to be like Singapore or France, but just the fact that you know we have the best doctors in the world, we have the best technology, state of the art hospitals. I think that's just something to be very thankful for. Because like I said, I came from a country where like this is fixable, but you need to go to a different country. <laughs> you know, mm, we just couldn't yeah. do it here in the in the Philippines. You know, so yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, we're like 52 minutes in. Uh, do you have any other closing remarks or thoughts for anyone? I think we uh, we had a good discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> yeah, thanks for the end. At the end, do you have anything? Any closing remarks you want to talk about? Just any message to our listeners uh make sure to vote <laughs> oh yeah let's hope to post this before the election <laughs> we have like a couple of weeks so. yeah yeah we'll see how it goes actually three more weeks so we have time i already voted so good for yeah. you <laughs> true all right thanks a lot Yen. i appreciate it uh Thank you. Thanks for all your answers we learned a lot i can say that like it is very uh, insightful for all like this is like like me and Ricardo were just saying like we don't we don't know you know jack shit about this really yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, what we know what I know about it is my experience my personal experience and how I feel like I'm always getting ripped off by insurance companies you know and it's something to change I was angry like I, and Ricardo knows all my rants it's like especially mm-hmm. when we did the merger with a new company I, I actually lost some of my doctor some of my I went to the same like I might wear a gold map blood test. I was like, oh, you gotta, we gotta, we can't accept you anymore. Like your insurance changed. Yeah. You know, I'm like, really? <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is. It's like, like you said, it's like what you're saying, Audrey and Tian. It's like, it's really incredible how, you know, it, there's a lot of factors fighting it. You know, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors fighting the universal healthcare, even like the regulation. I think the step one is really what Tian is saying. I feel like, we need to be aiming like similar to Singapore, you know, in terms of that mix socialist. I think France is like a very long shot <laughs> with this country, <laughs> but poli- especially with all the pol- politics. But I think we should start with regulations. Just the fact that there's like Tian is saying, I was surprised there's no cap in prices. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's incredible. There's cap. There's a lot of cap in everything. Yeah. So that would be very challenging though to uh, put a cap on that because that they make so much money, you know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah. But- that, I, mean, I mean, I can only imagine the lobbying power of, of those people. Too. Oh, absolutely. You know, because, I mean, if like my friend said, you know, their stocks are keep going up and up and up. All those people with stocks, they don't want their stocks to go down because if you cap the prices, their stocks are going to go down. Because at the end of the day, a little business here, you know, supply and demand. Well, you know, the, when the demand increases, the price increases, right? Well, the demand for healthcare is going to be unlimited. Mm-hmm. People are always going to be sick. People are always going to need... You know, it's not like some Pop-Tarts where you can just like, oh, I'm not getting Pop-Tarts today. Well, <laughs> you know, like I, if you have, if you need the surgery or else you'll die next week, well, you got to do the surgery. Yeah. So they're, they're in this, it's like a cheat code if you think about it, where a lot of businesses are actually, you know, they need to create demand, but they yeah. have they basically have unlimited supply of it. But yeah, but I'll let Audrey to close out this podcast. She has some announcements to make. So. Um, yeah, so... Um, I just want to let our listeners know that I will be doing some more background work uh, starting uh, next podcast. I will be doing focusing more on the editing and publishing and distributing part of this podcast. 
And I will leave uh, Ricardo and Sancho with the great discussions and uh, great stories to tell. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess this is a uh, goodbye to the to our listeners. Yeah, we're all going to miss your very beautiful voice. <laughs> yeah, we already we have a lot of uh, comments from people, from listeners, and they, they a lot of it is very consistent. They really like your voice. They said when, mm. the, when they heard they're, you're, you're not going to be talking, they're like, oh, we're going to miss their beautiful voice. <laughs> Maybe I can come on as a guest some sometimes. Yeah, you can always. Well, I mean, you're the director. You're a boss. Exactly. Right. right. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Ricardo are the talents. So you, 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 you boss us around. I'm <laughs> I'll be bossing you around and telling you what to do now. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> we'll focus on our talking skills. That'll be our, <laughs> that'll be our talent. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anything else, uh, Ricardo? You have anything to say? Or uh, no, no, I don't have anything. Very good. And if, yeah. um, mm-hmm. if you guys have any topic ideas or any questions for our guests, yeah. send an email to publicdiscoursepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, and we'll try to answer um, as quickly as possible. Yeah, and tell your friends about us. Make us famous so we don't have to work accounting jobs. It's <laughs> <laughs> our dream. We can put our accounting jobs forever. Yeah, I'm just, if any Markum bosses are listening, we're kidding. <laughs> we not. love our job. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thanks a lot, Yen, for Thank being you. our guest. Thanks. Thanks, Audrey. Thanks, Ricardo. And uh, for everyone listening, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a good afternoon. Stay safe out there. We're going to have our next episode pretty soon. Good night. Good night.